0: And, and we forget that, that Christ is within us, not so much in the music, not so, much, not so much in the worship, in between two different styles of worship and church and so on and so forth, that Christ is within us. And that our job is, as Christians is to find ways to serve, right? I mean, that's kind of what we do. And, and, and what, are, what are ways that we can serve? And, and one way we're going to talk about this morning is an opportunity to serve the fatherless, in, in James one twenty seven, it says, serve the fatherless. And as we go to the next slide, if we can, an acronym for today that you can take home with you is one. Okay, one. One child, one opportunity. The acronym stands for opportunity now for everyone. Okay, let me say that one more time. Opportunity now for everyone. So you can affect one child. You can affect one person. You can, you can do one thing today. You have the greatest opportunity in the world to do something today, not tomorrow, today. And, and I'm sorry if I'm going to challenge you in that sense, but I really believe that you have an unbelievable opportunity to affect a child today. Amen? Today, not tomorrow, not Wednesday, not Thursday like you put off, most of you guys put off your grocery shopping list or doing the laundry. Or This isn't a deed. This is what God has called upon your life, to do something today. And as we move forward here, you can go to the next slide if you want, we're going to share a story from Fred Craddock, who, who is considered one of the greatest preachers. If any of you LCU students that are in the building are are preachers maging, you will study Fred Craddock and the way that he gives messages. He's considered to be one of the greatest 10 preachers of all time. Of all time. So up there with anybody you can think of, from lifechurch.tv to Mars Hill, all those kinds of churches. Fred Craddock is considered to be one of the greatest preachers of all time. And the story goes a little something like this. Fred shares it as this. He says, he says there was a white-haired gentleman walking from table to table in this little restaurant. And Fred and his wife were sitting down eating. And they didn't want to be bothered. And, and the white-haired gentleman was going from table to table to table, to table, telling this story with a proud smile on his face. And so he walks up to Pastor Fred and says, Pastor Fred, can I tell you a story? And, and Fred continues to eat, and he says, yes. And the pastor with him comes out, and as all pastors do, this is why I'm not a pastor, because I cannot listen, but as all pastors do, they want he listened, and he listened to this whole entire story that Ben Hooper was telling him. He said, my name is Ben Hooper. When I was born in the 30s and 40s, they did not do a good job of keeping records. I I don't know my real birthday. I don't know what day I was born on. He said, but today was the day that I accepted Jesus. 23 years ago. And the reason why I'm telling you about this is because then I now have a reason for a father. I was once fatherless. Now I have God. And, to, and so for, to you to understand where we're going with this message today, you must first understand that you have been adopted by the Most High God. You have already been placed in his family I do not know very many of you I know a couple of you but now we can be brothers and sisters because we have both shared in the blood of Jesus we have a family our family is Christianity most of you all don't know this but Christianity started off as a slang term Okay, it was used to say, those people are Christians. Those people are Christians. So Christians, what they do, they flipped it around and said, yes, I am proud to be a Christian. Because why? Because I am proud to be a part of that family. And that's where Ben Hooper, and then he ends up coming back and saying, then he ends up, you know, life changed, and he ended up becoming the governor of Tennessee and all this stuff. Once you understand That you have a father, that you have God, then you can understand why people would do the adoption and foster care process. I would like you to turn to the person to your left or to the right and tell them that you are a child of God. Okay, that wasn't very good because remember, they're your brothers and sisters. And they're children of God, too. And some of you are like, yeah, you're a child of God. Ugh. I don't know you, and I don't really. No, we're going to do that again, and we're going to add a little life to it. Amen? We're going to add a little life to it. We're to get excited. So when you tell them you mean it, you are a child of God. Okay, ready? Go. That's what I'm talking about. Woo! Praise of Jesus in here. Woo! Right? That was, that was, you felt alive. You matter to God. That's how God looks at you. He doesn't look at you and go, You're a child of mine. I don't really. You ever you ever seen those big mama bears that, that loves their kids and like you don't mess with their kids, right? You, everybody knows those people that you don't mess with their kids. That's how God looks at you. You are a child of God. You matter. Understand, in the Bible, we look out to the word called Abba, which is the Greek word for Father. We cry out in the word of God, and we say, Abba, I love you. I want to serve you. I want you to speak through me. Abba, we cry to you, God. And we love you, and we praise you. For who you are. There's a song that was written. You want to go to the next slide? There was a song that was written by uh Third Day. Oh, I'm sorry, can you go to the third day slide? Is it still is it not in there? Okay. Um, there was a song written by Third Day, and it's called Children of God. And basically it goes like this it says, We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we are the daughters and the sons of our God. We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven. Were the daughters and sons of our God. Now, personally, I've never adopted, okay? I've never had that opportunity because at this point, at this point, we don't have a slide. Okay, um, at this point, I've never adopted, but I'm gonna share with you my cousin's story, which personally affected my family. The girl to the left in the blue skirt, her name is Grace. The little kid in the middle, his name is Gus. That's my cousin Laurel, my cousin Patrick, my cousin Griffin, and my cousin Garrett. And and the child that they're holding is, is now my cousin Esther from Somalia. What I find interesting about this is that all four of these people, Garrett, Grace, Griffin, and Gus, all four of them start with the letter G, they decided when they adopted that, that that Esther, if you're familiar with the Bible, okay, if you're familiar with the Bible, Queen Esther was adopted, and, and they felt moved by the Spirit to move away from their family pattern. And once God is calling, you gotta go running. They went away from their family pattern and named their baby from Somalia Esther. Whenever the adoption process happens. A lot of people think how great it is for the child, right, instantly. It's like, wow, this child has a family, they're going to have resources, they're going to have things that they didn't have before. That's what people most of the time think. What I think, and I bet what the Wakemans will will attest to, how great it is for our family that we get to serve with this child. How much has it changed our life? How much has it changed my life that... Esther is now a part of it. I think it's really cool when I when I've been with Esther, that, that he's a pastor at a real big church called Real Life in Orlando, Florida. And I think it's cool when I when I get to hold Esther and we'll walk around the mall and and the looks that I get, and people think that's supposed to bother me, right? Like I have a baby from Somalia on my shoulder. She's my cousin. I get it. It's kind of weird. I'm six foot six, white. She's not. Okay? People think that's supposed to bother me when they kind of people like stop and they turn and they whip their head, and I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, I understand. It, it's a different, it's a different look. But what was so funny to me is in the very beginning, when the when the word of God was created and we were all created in the image of God, all that I see within, within Esther is the fact that she is a resemblance of the Most High. She is the resemblance, I am the resemblance. And if other people walking by don't understand that, then shame on them. I'm hoping that I'm speaking truth to you. I'm hoping that what I'm saying is getting through to you. That sometimes what happens on the outside isn't what's happening on the inside, amen? That outward appearance of adoption isn't what's going on within you. Isn't the outward isn't what God is needing, what the inward is what God is doing. The word not only calls us to be listeners of the word, the word calls us to be doers of the word. And, and when you take these children in, I say this constantly. The church is not supposed to be a museum of good people. It's supposed to be a hospital for the broken. And when we start servicing the broken, that is when we're going to see a revival of Jesus. And stop worrying about so much about how other people are going to think when you're carrying around a black kid from Somalia. That drives me crazy. Stop worrying about it. Start worrying about honoring the Most High. Please Him. Because that is what you're called to do. You mind to go on the next slide? Like we talked about earlier in the Bible that, that there are a couple different places that that adoption is, is, is prevalent. And, sorry, I skipped around. Okay, uh... Where is, where adoption is present in a couple different places. One, we touched on Queen Esther. And then two, probably the most popular one, is Moses, where he's drawn out of water. But also, the entire nation of Israel in Exodus 4.22 is adopted. And someone brought up to a point to me this morning that I didn't ever think about, to be honest with you. Joseph, he adopted Jesus. I never thought about it. In that sense, he was his earthly father while he was living. I never thought about it in that sense. And much like our first century people that lived sometime before us, adoption is still real. Adoption is still very real. And when we check out these statistics, 8 million boys and girls in the world live in institutional care. 8 million. Every day, 5,700 children become orphans. There are 250,000 adopted annually. But 38,000 orphans age out of the system every year. Every 2.2 seconds, someone in the world is aging out of orphan care. I've been speaking for roughly 10 minutes. Do the math how many kids have aged out. Studies have shown that 10 to 15% of students and kids, children, commit suicide before they reach the age of 18 because they have no place to call home. If you can, there are 147 million orphans in the world. And and when you watch this video, spend time in prayer. I know this is a serious subject, and and it may bring you tears because it's brought me tears before but watch this and just see what comes to mind see what thoughts are provoking by the Most High God.
1: Today is Orphan Sunday. There are over 147 million orphans across the globe. 147 million. We hear that statistic so much that it almost loses its impact, it's just a number, until you hold that number in your arms. God has allowed us to see their faces, to dry their tears, and to meet their physical needs. has blessed us in unimaginable ways we are changed but there is still work to be done God has been clear in his mandate to the church religion that is pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world that's why we give
0: there's a direct correlation to accepting Christ as your lord and savior and the adoption process and what changes whenever christ first accept, whenever we first accept christ you look at it you say our identity changes our life course our trajectory our possibilities our resources our mission our fellowship circles our protection, our authority. And, and then you say, well, what happens when you start fostering or adopting? What happens to that child? Well, their identity changes, their life course changes, our trage- their, both, their trajectory changes, their possibilities, their resources. There's so much that is in the exact same that you guys feel as Christians every day a sense of belonging. I say this quite often, you cannot do everything, no way, God can do everything, you as a person cannot do everything, but you can do something, and that something starts today. That something starts today, and you say, Well, what is it that I can do? And and I'm gonna tell you since you asked. You can pray for the orphans, biological parents, adoptive families, people going through foster care. You can pray for all of them. You can give your time, resources, to ministries like mine, to ministries like Compassion International one that is completely, I think, forgotten and maybe the most vital is that when a family in your church goes through the adoption process and or the fostering process, it is your duty as a church to rally around that fostering family, to provide them with resources, to provide them with food, clothing, whatever they need for that child and maybe for them. Because once they have called out and said, I'm willing to do the work, I'm willing to serve in this child's life, I think it's the church's job to support that family. Is this getting through to anybody? Am I reaching anyone? Am I teaching anyone? Are you guys having a better understanding of what we can do for foster care. I think the idea of foster care people find to be sad. You know what I think about Orphan Sunday is that it's rejoiceful. That we are taking notice as churches that there are children across the world that are hurting. I find it rejoiceful. I find this very glorifying to God. I know that I was put on this earth to follow the Most High God. And the reason why I know this is because there's absolutely no way that I would be sitting here at 31 years old preaching to you. No way. If, my, if you would have told my parents that Aaron would be a preaching minister in 31 years, they would have been run out of church because they would have thought it was the devil speaking. but I am redeemed. I've been forgiven. And these kids that we serve at ICM and the kids that get served in Compassion International and these kids that get served in all the orphan care that we do need that same opportunity. Because we only look at as the world of what's going on on the outside Because everyone else, just like I told you, when I was 16 and 17 years old and I was out getting high, getting drunk, and having enough things that were not Christ filled, people would have looked at that and said, There's no way in the world that I'd be standing here being redeemed. You guys have a chance, you guys have an opportunity. And remember this, that this is a hospital for the broken. We can serve now. Not tomorrow. Today. You can do something now. Don't do it for me. Do it for them. Don't do it for me. Do it for him. I'm going to close in prayer. God, we thank you for the day. Lord, you are a good and gracious God. Lord, we thank you for families and, and people that want to be involved. Lord, we thank you for Mount Pulaski Christian Church that allowed me. I'm humbled to be here. I'm humbled that, that God has, has moved through this church to support Illini Christian Ministries and and, and supporting so many other missions. And God, we thank you and we praise you for the good and gracious God that you are. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we want to serve you. We know who our Father is, and we call out Abba. We call out to the Most High God and say you continually love us like you did when you first sent your son Jesus. And we thank you for that. It's in your name we pray.